You're listening to a Sunday morning message by Authentic Church. Well, good morning. Um, and I must say, I loved the way that we did a blessing here this morning. Um, after spending a few days, um, as some of you know, in, in Pilda Brennan, um, which is a Christian retreat centre in Wales, one of the things they've that really imprinted on me was actually to go out and bless and bless our local communities and local areas and I think it's just so so important and it's so simple and often we really forget to do that but anyway let's let's get on to today um I believe the Lord challenged me recently and gave me the word authentic this is quite amazing because it's also the name of Nigel and Tammy's church but that's not the reason that I'm preaching this it genuinely isn't the reason But I just love it when the Lord does that. Now, I don't know who this sermon's for. I don't know what words are for who. But I'm just trusting in the Lord. When I look at this congregation and when I look at the words, I say, Lord, is is this really right? But the Lord always is right. So I'm just going to trust in him. I'm going to do an old-fashioned sermon um, without any nice PowerPoint presentations or nice pictures. Because I want the word to speak for itself. I want the pictures not to be of mine, but yours in your own mind. I prayed that I would not preach on a topic that I wanted to preach about, but the word came from God. I find when I do things, my own things, it never quite hits the mark. But when I invite God to take charge of things, things really work. Although not always in the way I think they will. And in fact, there is one key takeaway here already. We must always be ready to ask the Lord to take charge in all things that we do. So what's this sermon about? Well, I think the Lord is asking us to focus here on two aspects of authenticity. The church's authenticity and ours. We need to be challenged to be real and authentic as the church is real and authentic. I think people are tired of trying to be something else. We live in a world of Facebook and Instagram where half the pictures out there are either filtered or very carefully selected, either consciously or unconsciously by the people posting them. Everyone's lives look great and exciting. Well, I know my kids don't always look great and happy, and my life is not all action or sun-soaked beaches. These lives that are posted there are not always authentic. I'm not saying that they're not genuine, these pictures, but they give the impression of life that may not be totally authentic. Recently, the wife of a friend of mine posted that she had slipped while walking, ripped her clothes and got covered in mud. She posted that she felt a real idiot What was interesting, she said later, was that she got more positive comments about that than at any other time online. Why? Who knows, but possibly because she was honest and real and authentic. Bern Brown, who has become um, a modern-day evangelist for authenticity, said, Authenticity is the daily practice of letting go of who we think we're supposed to be and embracing who we are. Let's just let that soak in. 
we need to embrace who we are. He goes on to say, because every human being longs to be known and loved as we truly are, the good and the bad, the beautiful, the ugly, the highs and lows of it all, to be unconditionally loved in a conditional world. This is why a relationship with Jesus Christ is so important. Whether you believe in him or not, the very foundation of the Christian faith is our God sent his son to die for me without conditions in my uttermost ugliness, my uttermost ugly moments, because he loved me unconditionally. The gospel not only hinges on the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, but the church's ability to authentically, sincerely, genuinely share the hope through broken and messed up people. Eric Johnson, a pastor at Bethel Church, California, stated, Authenticity creates trust. You cannot fully engage with someone you don't trust if they're not authentic. Eric Johnson reminds us that authenticity leads to confession, which then brings wholeness. If we read um, John 1, 9 and the NIV, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Another pastor at the same church, Chris Voloton, some years later, said, Authenticity in people is the first steps to wholeness. And I personally know that a freedom comes from being authentic. If we look in the Bible, we don't have to go far to see authenticity. I love the authenticity of Paul. If we read 1 Corinthians 2.1, Paul says, I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdoms but on God's power. To me, the Christian faith is brilliant. It does not rely on how good a person we are or how good at stuff we are but on God's grace. The Christian faith is a perfect example of authenticity. So let's not take my word for it. Let's take a closer look at authenticity of the church. It's my belief that authenticity is, um, is the key to a successful church, which in turn is essential to bring in the kingdom of God. And what do I mean by this? For today's example, I'll sum up by saying the church has three main purposes. Now we can argue what these are all day. But let's just have a look at the three main that I'm going to put here at the moment. So the first one is to evangelise. Tell people the good news so they can confess and become a Christian. The second one is to pastor its members, which is secondary to probably to the first and third. And the third one is to um, usher in the kingdom of God. This means Christians should love their neighbour, feed the hungry, look after the poor and afflicted, and bring righteousness in, etc. So those are the three um, uh, parts that I think the church has to concentrate on. So if we take the first purpose, evangelise, we've, we've got the Great Commission, of course, Matthew 28, 16-20. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore go 
and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father, of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So that's fairly straightforward. So now let's look at the second part, responsibility. That's to pastor its members. If we look at Paul and the letters of Paul, there are no less than seven books in the Bible that scholars believe were written by Paul, mainly in a simple sense to pastor the new church. And they include Thessalonians and Galatians, which you're doing, and Philippians and Philemon, 1 and 2 Corinthians and Romans. Incidentally, Paul's letters do not uh, display a systematic pastoral theology. They were designed to deal with specific problems that arose in individual communities. And isn't it wonderful that we see real problems in real communities that are written in the Bible that Paul had to deal with? Lastly, let's look at the third part of the church's responsibility, to usher in the kingdom of God. This means that Christians should feed the hungry, look after the poor and the afflicted, and bring righteousness in. And you could do several sermons just on that. But there are many references to the kingdom of God in the New Testament, which many of us will know by heart. Matthew 6, 33, But seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. Mark 1, um, 15, the time has come. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the good news. So what are we taught by the Gospels on this? Well, we're to help bring in the kingdom of God um, by living righteously. Individuals and families are strengthened by activity in the church. We should willingly serve wherever we are. And blessings come as we serve in the kingdom of God. Peter Lundell, a pastor and lecturer from, from California, stated, my highest value in life, why I exist, is expressed in the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom of God is our highest priority. He goes on to say, I want to be the usherer of the kingdom of God, like an usher in an event, at a concert or in a church. I want to connect with what God is doing. But listen to this. It's not about being a religious professional. It's about connecting deeply with God and deeply with people and ushering the two together. If you look in the New Testament, Jesus was sick of religious leaders. We actually even saw it in the video there on healing. As, as the Pharisees looked on, he was sick of religious leaders who were not authentic. Those, were the, uh, those who were pious or prayed loudly or kept the religious laws, all without the right heart, all without caring for the poor and the afflicted. So we can see the purpose of the church, but how was this Christian faith established? Well, God is authentic. He used real people. The Bible is full of people that God used who are not perfect. People who often mucked up. I had great fun looking at this because <laughs> I'm not perfect. <laughs> so let's look at them. Abraham, often referred to the father of faith. Well, he had a child out of wedlock. David, the greatest king in the Bible. He was just a shepherd boy. 
a small, insignificant lad when God anointed him. And do you know what? He went on to murder one of his neighbours and had an affair with his wife. You can't get more mucked up than that, can you? Peter, the greatest known disciple, he denied Jesus three times and often really did not get what Jesus was saying. Paul, the founding father of the organised church, he started out as a Pharisee who persecuted Christians. Yes, Paul, who spread the gospel through the world, started by murdering Christians. Is that a perfect person? <laughs> so if you think about it, it's incredible. Real people make real mistakes and God says, that's fine, I can use them. I love this because I'm a sinner and I make so many mistakes. This gives me hope and I hope it gives us all hope. Many years ago, I used to train and build prayer ministry teams. And often people would say to me, Randall, I can't pray for someone. I'm not a perfect Christian. And I used to reply to them, probably it wasn't the best thing to say, but I did. Have you murdered any Christians lately? To which the reply was, no, of course not. I'd say, well then, you've got no excuse, God can use you. <laughs> I can say that lately I've been feeling hurt, angry, and had feeling despaired so acutely that even I said that there's no way I could preach today. But I had to remind myself of this very story and push myself to carry on because it's not about me. It's about God and authenticity. But I actually love being called a Christian because many people do now trust Christians. Although in the past some termed Christians as hypocrites, this is now becoming less and less. And I think in a time of struggle or need, as we have now and we'll see over the coming months, with high utility bills, higher mortgages, and generally a higher cost of living, people will seek out authentic Christians. I think the next few months are going to be harder and harder on people. I think this is going to be a tough winter for many. We need to be those authentic Christians out there in the community. And as we know, authentic means real. When our faith is real, we are real. We need to have a love in our hearts that is authentic. As we saw earlier, Jesus hated um, the hypocrites, as we see in Matthew 23. The whole of Matthew 23 is about this. I'm going to read some of it. I'm going to jump around a bit. But Jesus, this is Matthew 23 in the NIV. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teacher of the law and Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you, but do not, what, um, do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is done for people to see. They make their plyletteries, if I'm getting that right, wide and, and the tassels on their garments long. They love the place of honour at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplace and be called rabbi by others. But you are not to be called rabbi. You have one teacher and you are all brothers. You do not 
call anyone on earth father, for you have one father, father in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And it goes on. I'm going to just jump about a little bit. Woe to the teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You shut the door on the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over land to see, um, to win a single convert. And when you succeed, you make them twice as much of a child of hell as you are. And it goes on and on and on and on. Every um, verse in there, woe to you, teachers of the law, you hypocrites. Woe to you, teachers of the law and hypocrites, right the way through. And it ends with, you snakes, you brood of vipers, how will you escape being condemned to hell. I mean, we can clearly see Jesus' feeling about the Pharisees and about not being authentic. There's nothing ambiguous in this chapter, is there? So where does this leave us? Simply, God wants us to be real. He wants us to change our hearts and attitude to love God with all our heart, to love our neighbours with all our heart, and genuinely love the poor and afflicted of this world. Real and authentic Christianity does not shame people. Authenticity works not only in Christian life, but in circular um, circles. I've been challenged to think about my own circumstances and where I work. And recently I've been teaching my office some traits that are beginning to change the whole office dynamics. I've taught people to own up if they make mistakes, apologise for mistakes, and forgive and support their fellow workers, and that mistakes aren't an issue, that as long as we know what they are, we can carry on. And we are already seeing a wholesale change within the office. So what are we to take away from today? What do we do? Well, firstly, if you aren't a Christian or you're unfair, um, unsure of your faith, simply pray, Father or Lord, Please come into my heart. I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong. Please open up my heart and mind. Please show me your presence and use me to do good things. It's that simple. You can continue by praying, Lord, show me what you want me to do. Open opportunities that I may do your will. It's that simple. Although through grace we technically do not have to do things to earn God's love. However, by doing things for God, we can develop our faith and understanding. So we should evangelize and usher in the kingdom of God. So to recap, authenticity from us requires us to confess our sins to God and be real. Confessions break the power of sins. And repentance connects us to the power of grace. In 2 Corinthians 7.10 it says, Godly sorrows bring repentance that leads to salvation. And he leaves no regret, but worldly sorrows brings death. Repentance means, bring, means upstanding. Not only that we sinned and that we're sorry, but knowing that we don't want to do it again. An authentic faith is learning, being 
um, discipled and then changing as a person. As a Christian, we're not called to stay the same, but to evolve as we develop as a Christian. This can lead to us being wiser, more compassionate, more chilled for some of us, more content, more fulfilled, hopefully thus more happy. But it also creates a better, more emotionally developed workers for the church that in turn can spread God's love and make this fallen world a better place. In other words, help us to usher in the kingdom of God. Remember the beauty of humanity lies in flaws. The great thing about Christianity is everybody is welcome. It does not matter who you are. It does not matter about your age. It does not matter about your gender, your ethnicity, your intelligence, how you look or your strength. But more importantly, it does not matter if you've got things wrong. Mucked up in life, got angry, had lustful feelings, gossiped about others, watched the wrong things, said the wrong things, did the wrong things, and generally been a sinner. This is the whole point of the gospel. It is good news for everyone through grace. We are all accepted and loved by God. Just let me say that again so it sinks in. It's great. You don't have to be perfect to be a Christian. Remember the good news. That is the grace. Jesus died for us precisely because we aren't perfect. One could sum up by saying Christianity is authentic and we need to be authentic. Being authentic leads to freedom. Freedom leads to a better and more useful life under God. Roy Godwin, who wrote the book Grace Outpouring, that I know some of you have read, said that God wanted a real and authentic relationship with us. He sensed the Lord saying to him one day, and this is on page 70 for those who've got the book, I want my people to be a people who come for hugs. I want them to call me father from their heart. I want to be able to speak to them by name and tell them how much I love them. How much I delight in them. I want them to grow that relationship. What an authentic relationship. So I'm just going to end with a very short, simple prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for all you've done for us. All you have given us and the opportunity to live free, authentic lives loved by you. Thank you, Lord, for sending your son to die for our sins, something we did not deserve, but yet was done to free us and save us. Lord, help us to be authentic, to constantly look to you and live out your purpose for our lives. And I just pray a blessing on all those listening now. Amen.